Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. In Proverbs here, uh, we've been looking at the wise ways to live. So we started off with what is the wise way and how do we live with wise character? Then we moved on to wise romance and uh, wise parenting and the last week wise work. Today marks the first of three messages that we're going to be talking about money, which uh, takes a little bit of the air out of the room here as a church, right? There's a little bit of stigma around uh, money and messages and pastors preaching about money. So I want to like just admit that from the start as I was preparing for this message, I just had this feeling, I'm going to call it a prompting of the Holy Spirit, just to say churches have handled money conversations really poorly. And so show me some grace this morning, if you don't mind, uh, as we go before and uh, ask God to speak through his word. We're going to be looking at not just money, but we're going to be looking at how do we live generously. So if you guys would join me, let's, uh, let's pray and go before our Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, we... Just thank you, Lord. I pray that, um, Lord, that you would speak this morning through your word, Lord. As we look at finances, as we look at generosity, as we look at what it means to be more like you, who is ultimately generous, Lord, would you speak this morning? Lord, would you be with us? Thank you for this snow. Thanks for keeping us all safe getting here, Lord. I pray that you keep us all safe going home as well, Lord. We love you, and we ask all this in your name, Amen. Okay, so I'm going to start off this morning with something a little different. I'm going to start off with a confession. I know what kind of message starts off with a pastor confessing some sin, but here we go. I'm going to confess something. Uh, I struggle with the sin every single day, and it's that I'm a materialistic person. Just honestly, I am. I like stuff. I always have. And you see, um, I, I think about getting the newest thing all the time. I create lists on my phone of the next technology that's coming out, the next movie that's getting announced, the, uh, the next video game that's coming out, the next pair of shoes, whatever it is. I look and I research and I delve into those things. And so I admit I'm sinful in this area. Heck, my, my save for later on my Amazon cart just continues to grow. I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that or not. But um, yeah, I create this narrative in my mind that I need whatever the new thing is. For example, this is the first year in the last six years that I have not gotten the, uh, the new iPhone. I was convicted of it last year that I need to stop. So for six years, I was getting each and every single new iPhone. I was leasing it and I had this need that I like needed that, that it would make me cooler or more productive in some way. And so, this is a struggle of mine. And I, as I was reflecting back on, okay, where did this stem from? What, what's going on here? Growing up, um, my, my parents said no a lot. And they grew up really frugal. They grew up really pretty dirt poor, honestly. There were some deals that they had to skip growing up. And so us as kids growing up, we uh, were told no a lot. And so I felt like I just wanted all these things. And I like, would ask my parents, well, my friends are getting it. This is what I need. And so I felt like, Anytime that I had a hole, like a, a hole in the pair of my shoes, I would have to create like a 10 slide PowerPoint presentation of why I need a new pair of shoes, mom and dad. But I think they were wise and that they didn't want me to become that way. But it's interesting how that flipped 
and Satan twisted that for me. But whenever I started making adult money as an adult, I just wanted to say yes to myself whenever I got the chance. And so I realized I was actually really generous, but I was generous with myself, which isn't really generous. And our culture would reinforce this idea, right? How does the saying go that money can't buy you happiness, but it's better to cry in a Ferrari than while riding a bike? You got to take care of number one. And then once you have enough and you're comfortable, then you can begin to give away. But don't go crazy with it, because if you do, you better get something in return. And I'd like to think that our culture actually wants us to be generous people, right? There's things like GoFundMe, which is a really cool thing. They've helped raise $15 billion in the last 10 years for people, for nonprofits, for other things. That's a ton of money. And we see people on social media like Mr. Beast, right? Who gives away all this money, these houses, these cars, super generous. But why are these things so successful in our culture? It's because their names are tied to it. You see on GoFundMe's website, on the right side, you can actually see where John Smith gave $100 to this charity. So John Smith is celebrated in that. You see these social media influencers, they, they give away all these great things, but then they are recording a video to get billions of views on YouTube or social media platforms. So their name is tied to it. This is the opposite of the way that, that Jesus tells us to give. Our giving is supposed to be closely tied to our faith, not our fame. Jesus teaches us this in Matthew 6. So if you would turn with me there. You can do that in our, in our app or with a physical Bible, but uh, it'll also be here on the screen. So Matthew 6, verse 1, Jesus talks about this specifically. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. In the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, you have received, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your, let your left hand see what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Look at what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that you're not supposed to give food to a homeless person and take a selfie at the same time. Okay, the Bible doesn't exactly say that, but you get my point. True biblical giving should be done in private. It should not be used for your own glory, only for God's glory. Instead, our culture would say that it needs to be tied to us, our image, that it should be used for our gain in some way. So a couple weeks ago, we were at the Denver Zoo. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but was looking around and I noticed, if you look at all the park benches, if you look at all the buildings, all of the enclosures, they all have a name on them the so-and-so building or the so-and-so bench. It's because those people who, if they donated enough money, their reward was that they get their name on a bench. That people with their sweaty butts get to sit down whenever they're tired, walking around at the zoo. What a reward. Jesus says that is their reward. Instead of the reward of getting to worship God through the act of giving, they're worshiping themselves. And I'm sorry to say, but here at Connect Church, you will never have a chair You'll never have a bench with your name on it, or you'll never have a building, no matter how much money you give. And I'm going to say something that probably not a lot of pastors are willing to say, 
But I'll be honest, if you are giving to Connect Church for your own glory, then stop. No joke. Cut it out. Because this isn't to be done for your glory. We're giving to God first. Giving is supposed to build our faith, not our fame. So let's look more at some true biblical generosity. Let's turn now to uh, Luke 21. In chapters one or in verses one through four. So in picking up in verse one, it says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. In the ESV, the translation is, for they contributed out of their abundance. But she put in, she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. I think many of us think, oh, well, once I make a ton of money, then I'll start to be generous. Well, yeah, that would be awesome. I'd love to be able to only live on a portion of my income and give away the rest, right? If I just made as much money as Elon Musk, absolutely I could do that. But as we can see in this story, that generosity doesn't start once you receive a bunch of money. Generosity can start at any point in your financial journey. Wise giving is not based on what you have or you don't have. This widow barely had anything, and she was more generous than anyone else. And this is a decision that you have to make. It's a decision that you have to make to be generous, no matter whether you have the money or not. God is worshiped in what happens in your heart, not by the amount given. And if you think that you're going to be able to give once you reach a certain financial point, you'll never actually get there. You see, money only amplifies who you truly are. And for example, Emmy and I felt this whenever we first got married. I uh, didn't make near as much as I make now, and we felt more financial freedom at that time than sometimes we do today. You see, oh, the more money in your life, it's just going to amplify that. So if you're generous in a little, then you can be generous in a lot. We're called to give God our best, not our leftovers. This is what the widow did. She gave her best. She didn't give out of the abundance like everybody else in the passage. She gave God her best first. And I was convicted of this in college. So a little bit of my story, uh, I thought I was generous in college. I, I was tithing at the church that I was going to, I was serving there, and I would uh, help do a lot of things. I would even offer to help friends move, even though that sucks, we all know that. Um, but I would offer to pay for people's meals, things like that. I thought I was a generous person, but my tithes were just whenever I felt like it or whenever I had some extra disposable income. So when Emmy and I first got married, we felt convicted of this. And so we flipped our budget on its head and we started first with what we're going to give instead of at the bottom and what we're going to give. We wanted to give God our best first. And at first it wasn't easy. I mean, as newlyweds, there's lots of things that you need to get your house in, in order. You need furniture, you need dishware, you need sheets, you need towels, you need all these things, blah, blah, blah. And so each month that I would see that money go out to the tithe, I was like, oh my gosh, that would be really nice to have because we need to buy X, Y, or Z. But we were putting ourselves first initially and we wanted to put God first instead. And whenever we put... Whenever we give God our best, 
we're trusting him to multiply the rest. There's another story in scripture about this. If you think of Cain and Abel, so uh, they were the sons of Adam and Eve, the first people ever on earth. And Cain was a farmer, Abel was a shepherd, and they both, both brought offering, offerings to the Lord. And Cain brought an offering. Um, it was probably of his second or third harvest, and it was, by all means, it was probably a good offering, like looking at the size of it. But then Abel, out of his shepherding his flock of sheep, he gave the very firstborn sheep to God first, which for a shepherd is like a huge deal. I mean, you're, you're raising all these sheep and you're excited and you're looking forward to having that first one finally born. And here we go, Abel gives it to God. So God looks upon Abel's offering with favor, but not Cain's. Which leads me to my second point. Generous people plan their giving. You see, the widow and Abel in the story, they didn't just accidentally give God their best. They had to plan it. They had to plan to give God their best. You see, no one's generous on accident. We don't just wake up one morning and give away a ton of money to a charity or to a church or whatever it is. You have to plan for it. If anything, we accidentally spend money on ourselves or we accidentally uh, waste money in a bunch of different ways or we hold on to it for dear life. And I was actually talking to somebody this past week who I used to work with, who works for a company down in Castle Rock. And their company is a Christian company, but they, they give away 10% of their gross revenue each and every year to a local church in Castle Rock. It's unbelievable. And that doesn't just happen by accident. That happens because the owner was generous and it's out of a generous heart that something like that can happen. Because I think we've all seen poor people. We've seen poor people who are completely stingy. They wouldn't let you have anything of theirs and closed-handed. But then we've also seen poor people on the other side who are generous way above what even makes sense. And then on the other side, we've also seen rich people who you can't pinch a penny out of them. And then you've seen wealthy people who do things that we could only dream of doing. Just like generosity is supposed to be tied to our faith, it's determined by our faith as well. So as I shared, Emmy and I, we built our budget upside down. And then, you know, about a year went, went by or so, and we we're in a Bible study. And my good friend, Alex Goldstein, uh, asked a great question as he normally does and said, hey, are we supposed to give off of our net income or our gross income? And I was like, I have never thought about that. I don't wanna think about it. Why are you even asking this question? What's it matter? And so I kind of wrote it off. But for the next couple days, that question rung in my mind. And I was in seminary at the time, so I was like, well, I'm going to research this. I'm going to figure out what does God actually want out of this. And I'll be honest, after lots of research, there's no answer in Scripture. But the conviction was real. The Holy Spirit was prompting Emmy and I to give off of our gross and on our net, which made no sense. I was like, God, are you sure? Are you sure you really need that to happen? That doesn't make any sense. But then the Holy Spirit brought comfort, and we made that decision. And over the past five years, we've seen our giving increase as a result of that generosity. God is continuing to convict us in ways that I didn't even think I would be convicted. And he's revealing how truly blessed we actually are. Now, this isn't everyone's story, and I'm not saying this to brag or anything like that. I don't know where you're at in your giving or your generosity journey. I just want to share my story and how God has influenced us. Because I'll be honest, as I confessed, I still create lists on my phone, I still research the new things that are coming out that I want to get. 
and I'm often thinking about what I want to buy for myself instead of what I want to do uh, as a generous act next. But if you want to become a more generous person, you have to ask God, what is your best for him? Because then after you figure out what that best is, then you have to plan for it. Because if you don't, then it'll never happen. Because if you just think all of a sudden you're going to wake up and give away 90% of your income, it'll never happen. It doesn't happen overnight. But what does happen overnight is you become stingy and selfish and foolish with your money. And we can all feel like money's tight no matter where we're at in our finances. Let's read one more passage of scripture in Proverbs. This is a sermon series on Proverbs nonetheless. So um, chapter 11, verse 24, it says, One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to the one who searches for it. Those who trust in the riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. In verse 1 in the ESV, it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. How in the world is that possible? How is it that you give and you become richer? Isn't it whenever you give, you actually end up with less? The rest of the verse says, Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So when you give, you don't end up with less. You realize how much more you really have. And here's the reality. God doesn't need our money. He created each and every single one of us in this room. And he created every single thing, every single atom that exists in this universe. But he knows how much money, how much we create a narrative that we need money in our lives. Well, if God doesn't need it, and I do, then why would I give it to him? Great question you should ask. Uh, that's exactly why we read this passage. Money has a grip on us like nothing else in this world. Jesus talks about it more than any other topic in the New Testament. And it's the measure of success in our culture, is it not? We looked up to these CEOs who have tons of money, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all these people. And we think, man, it would be great to have that kind of wealth. It's so tied to our fame, our image, our identity. And it's got in, in place, God wants to be that for us. So by giving back to God, it actually releases that from our image and our identity. It releases the money from our identity. And God can take that place instead in our lives. Listen to God's generosity to us in 2 Corinthians 5.1. It says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the ultimate gift. Jesus paid the debt that we were supposed to pay. He took our place on the cross, and he gives us eternal life, even though we aren't deserving of it. So no matter how generous you think you are, how generous I think I am, Jesus will always be more generous. And as a result of him dying on the cross, we're given eternal life to go to heaven with him, with him forever. And he gives us purpose as a result of his sacrifice. He gives us community with people who love him and love us at the same time. He gives us peace and comfort in times when it makes no sense to have peace or comfort. He gives us family and his inheritance even though when ours is broken. 
He gives us freedom from our sin and our pain. He gives us his love. And God's generosity is never ending. It is abundant, it is planned, and it is freeing. So this is our motivation to give because God first gave us more than we could ever imagine or deserve. The more generous you become, the more you're going to feel convicted of your spending. See, generous people see the world differently. They see God's blessing in their lives, and they see how their financial gifts can be used to change the world, not just consume from the world. Because our culture would say, consume more. It is more blessed to consume, but instead it's more blessed to give. As you become more generous, you become more aware of the needs around you, and your heart breaks for what breaks God's. So a greedy person and a generous person would see this photo differently. A uh, greedy person might see that and be like, man, that sucks. And then they move on to the next thing. Well, I got to pay this bill. I got to do this. I got to invest in more Dogecoin. I got to do this thing. And uh, they kind of forget about it. A generous person would look at this image and ask a couple questions. Oh my gosh, do all those people live in that shack? If you even want to call it a house. Where is this and what can I do to help? So this is actually an image from my father-in-law's Haiti ministry where they built him, them a brand new house. Yes, all those people do live in that house. Now they get to live in a way better house that's going to last way longer for their family. You see, greedy and generous, we see the world in different ways. Generous people give God their best and they plan their giving as a result. And then they begin to realize how much they really have. I want to live this way. I want to live as a, re a result of God's generosity to me. And I want to reflect that generosity to everyone that I meet. I want to feel the freedom from entanglement of all these things that I feel like I need. Because money can have that grip on your life and mine. And look at how our community, our culture, and our lives can change whenever you become a generous person. In Acts chapter 2, 45, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. This is a passage whenever the, the church is just beginning to form, and we see the church culture from the beginning is starting from generosity. Generous people take care of one another, and they do exactly what God intended for his people that we would live out of a mindset of giving first and consuming last, that the needs of others would be put before our own. So as we head into a time of reflection, I challenge you this, ask God what he wants of you to become more generous, just like he is. Your homework, if you wanna become a more generous person, if you wanna grow closer to God, throughout the process of your giving and have your giving be tied to your faith, not your fame, then pray and ask him what he wants of you. And I'll end with this. We give our first fruits, not out of our abundance, because God gave us his best from the beginning. We plan our giving as generous people because God planned to, for us first. Jesus was planned for us. And finally, we realize how blessed we really are and our generosity whenever it's not tied to our fame or our identity. Rather, it's tied to our faith, and we begin to see the world the way that God does as a result. 
Join me in prayer as we ask God to make us all more generous and more like him. God, we come before you and thank you for your generosity with us. Lord, thanks for your word and the ways that you show up in it and through it. Lord, as we desire to become a more generous people, myself included, Lord, would you help to reveal the ways that I can grow and change? Lord, would you do that for all of us? Would you reveal to us what our best is to give to you? Lord, and we pray and, and trust that you will multiply the rest in our lives. Lord, thank you for your love and for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that we ha may have eternal life with you. What, the, what is greater than that news? What is a greater act of generosity? I don't know. Lord, we love you and we ask all this in your name. Amen.